Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, giant time is here. That's right, we are talking 1981's Galaxy of Terror on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the outer reaches of space that the master sent us to. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. Now, we're going to unpack all the gory details of Galaxy of Terror, the Roger Corman classic. And I put classic in serious dick fingers. Uh, in the hopes that a Space Ranger's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person I trust that when I say I'm going to give up, I don't know why I'm here. I'm simply too old for this shit. She will allow me to sexually harass her on the job. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Uh, I got to be honest, Patrick. I, I feel a little bit like I woke it up in a seedy motel room missing a kidney. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little confused. I, I'm a little mm-hmm. alarmed. I, I don't really know where I am. I've watched this movie many times. I still don't know where it takes place or why it takes place there. I, I don't know who these characters are. I don't know their stories. <laughs> <laughs> but they seem to have a lot of story because we might as well call, change the name of this movie to Choices. Everyone in the cast has made definitive choices about their characters and have decided to remain mum about them. (laughs) They just act along those lines. I'm angry at you. These crystals mean something to me. Fist in your face. Those are moments in this movie. And I don't know what any of them mean. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to alarm you, Gina. But we are not alone. That's right. We have special guests. You know them as the hosts of the Predicto cast. It is the ones and the onlys, Brian Skinner and Josh Hollis. Hello. Of course, people know Josh. He's a returning champion to the show. And of course, he designs our podcast art. He's talented that way in a way I could never be. And Skinner, (laughs) I guess, is just holding on to your coattails. Is that how I read this? No, not at all. He's the funny one. No, no, no. I'm just here for the ride. I have my crystal throwing knife to throw at any corpses or doors, but I have no particular talents to go along with those. I put a fist in your face in solidarity. I'm not sure. I I mostly just just uh, scream and vomit like the uh, like the first person that's killed up. I've already forgotten his name, but I really I really felt for that character because I, too, would spend most of my time in a in a frightening situation, screaming and vomiting. But every situation is frightening for that person whose name is Cause. So I'll just <laughs> refer to him as The Cause. No one goes by that nickname, right? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we get started? Because the first time any of you watched this movie was when I told you to watch it, correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Somehow this uh, this fell under my radar. This was one that I thought I had seen because I think uh, I I have this connection with certain covers, and this is one of them. It has a very 
lurid sort of Frank Frazetta-esque kind of weird looking cover. Yeah. And I was like, I think I've seen that before. And maybe I just remembered the cover because when we started watching it, I was like, I don't know what this is. And <laughs> and then I looked it up and it's like they it it's some of this uh some of the costumes were used in other movies, some of the sets were used in other movies that I think I've seen. So it's like I'm just thinking it's a bunch of different things that are all just merging together. They reuse these sets many, many times, including Forbidden World and another one called Mutant. They just kept using the same spaceship sets, often on the weekend of this one, <laughs> when everyone else was away. They're like, let's just make another movie? Okay, sure, why not? So they made more so that they could get their money's worth out of it. And, uh, of course, they use some of the spaceship's uh, from another movie that was made before this, which is like the seven samurai in space, but not the one that looks like a uterus. I wish the uterus spaceship was in this, but it's not. This is what this, this movie needs is more uterus spaceships. It already appears to be the scrap heap of HR Giger. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. They, say, they want, they want so bad for this movie to be alien. They want oh, so yeah, bad. 100%. I mean, pretty much until they get to like the, pyramid thing it's it's kind of alien like it is just sort of almost a beat for beat alien sort of yes but they're not space truckers they're kind of soldiers but some of them aren't and see we don't we don't know have all sorts of jobs no we don't know anything yeah i do enjoy that they are forced in crash land at this planet that they were apparently going to anyway, <laughs> yeah. but they were going too fast. Is Okay. <laughs> Let's, we're getting to it. Before we get to the rescue mission, we have to start at the very beginning. What a oh, wonderful yeah. place to start. And that is on a completely different ship. That's on this planet whose name I can't remember, nor do I want to. The planet uh, Xerxes, right? Uh, Morganthus? Morganthus. Oh, okay. Xerxes is, what was, was that the other other uh, ship she, the captain was on? Or was oh, that, maybe. Yes. So okay. the one that she has the, the airplane, like, freak out over. <laughs> that every time someone brings it up, she looks like Robert Hayes just looking at distaff World she's, War II footage going on behind she, him. She's remembering Macho Grande. That's yeah. literally all I would do to this person all day, all night. <laughs> I mean, she does uh, enjoy a good this, meal, though. <laughs> yeah, this chicken vindaloo is okay. It's nothing like the Xerxes. What? George Zip? No. <laughs> so back to Morganthus, where a person we don't know is running for reasons we can't tell, and he's just shooting indiscriminately, and then he goes into a corner. And he dies. Well, okay. He, he gets got, like he gets he gets flung around, flung around like 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 telekinetic power. I think. Yes. But but the thing that he sees is that like a body in a washing machine. I couldn't figure <laughs> that part out. <laughs> it was a spin cycle. <laughs> we got that lady from the washing machine death from my bloody Valentine killing him, <laughs> which apparently um, was his greatest fear. Yes, his greatest fear was not using Tide Pods. And this is what happens when you don't, I guess. Um, yeah, is it a ghost? Is, is is that a reflection of what he's afraid of? Is that him? Was he always afraid of hitting pipes too hard? We'll never find out. But he dies, and don't worry about him. You're never going to fucking worry about him again because we're going to... 
some other place where we meet a lady named Mitri, and she identifies as the the one who plays the game. I'm the game master, and there's a key master, and there's <laughs> Zerg. How many things am I going to mix up? Anyways, Ray Walston is also there with a big red glowy. Where we, yeah, were we not supposed to know that was him? They did a very poor job of covering it up. It's yeah, his, very obviously Ray Walston. Yeah, his his face with this effect looks like what I picture the inside of a Hot Pocket looks like. <laughs> Just this like red glowing mass. It's like if you stared at a Christmas light for too long. Like speaking of Hot Pockets, I was distracted by the fact they were playing basically a cocktail version of Pong in front of them. <laughs> Listen. This is the most hectic version of Atari's Tempest I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it is all over the place. And she's got four, everyone presses buttons in this movie and toggles switches. Oh, I love this. None switches. of it does anything. They just keep. They're playing the soundtrack, which is the most insane soundtrack I've ever heard in a movie in my entire life. What my favorite part about her character is, is she's not important and never shows up again. <laughs> Because she, she seems like she's a character, but she's yeah. not. No, she is not. But she is the first person who talks in any sort of non-screaming-for-your-life sort of way. And she's like, I'm a, I'm the oracle of the game, and I play against the planet master. And this is what we do, and this is my job. And also, I live... Uh, in an apartment that looks like the lobby of a Benihana <laughs> with a big screen TV. And there they get a phone call from an old guy who will continue to tell everyone he is old for the remainder of his time in the film. Yeah. Have you ever seen a, a, a spaceship crew just so utterly cowardly as, as, as the people? In <laughs> I mean, they all have big time problems, uh, either with each other or the idea of going into space, which is probably not the attitude you want as a person whose job it is to constantly go into space. Well, it seems like they're they're really caught off guard by this whole thing. Like they're not they're not expecting to have to do this, right? Like they, I mean, aren't they already aren't they already in space? <laughs> no, they're they're at some sort of uh some sort of return of the Jedi base. Right, but that's uh, in space, is it Gina, not? I Gina, mean, they're, they're, we're all in we're space. We're all in space, Gina. <laughs> Gina. Gina. Do you not know that we live in space? You've got me there. <laughs> Let me talk to the guys uh, here. Gina, uh, put your hands over your ears. She doesn't understand we live in space, guys. This is a, this is a real problem. It's, it's all around us. Like It's, it's night outside right now. <laughs> we are spinning, and that is the only reason we have gravity, everyone. Okay, Gina, you can take your hands off your ears. You're fine. And this old dude... <laughs> on the on the TV at the Benihana's that they switched the channel from the Dodgers game to <laughs> is told you got to go up to Morganthus because this other uh, ship, uh, you know, we can't find any bio beams or, or life blips. There's so many. I, I, I love uh, movies that take place. You know, in in the future, just yeah. like like of course the the best of these is Overdrawn to Memory Bank. They just they just make up words like here eat some Flavo Fibes and there's like a it's literally a bag of potato chips. 
<laughs> and in the middle of this, the game master is like, I'm going to choose the crew. And then the old guy goes away. And, and the, Mitri, uh, the oracle of the game, is like, don't do this. And we're like, don't do what? What's happening? He's like, I'm tired of waiting. Is anyone going to tell us what you're going to do? It just nope. shit just happens in this movie. It just happens. And you're like, okay, I'm a passenger. And the movie rockets forward. Well, we've got this character played by, by Edward Albert, which I, you know, you could see that they desperately wanted Tom Selleck for this role. They, yes. they eventually settled for Tom Selleck's mustache. <laughs> They took Tom then, Selleck's mustache and put it on a young Ray Wise, I think. Like it just Exactly. <laughs> and and this character, he's the hero. He just like shows up and obviously he has a history with all these people. They don't explain it. We we, no. we don't know where he's been this whole time or 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 why the crew chief is just, you know, bristling with anger that he's there. I mean he's he appears to be the big man on campus, only the campus is space. <laughs> Everyone knows this motherfucker and they either have a really glowing opinion of him or you're zalman king and you're like fuck you asshole <laughs> yes yeah, so also Red- i can't decide which leg of mine is wrong so i'm just gonna <laughs> hobble on either the left or the right depending on how i feel about it red shoe diaries zalman king yes <laughs> uh and during his brief thank god uh acting career uh unfortunately he would go on to uh, you know, become some uh, semi-muckety-muck in the industry with the Red Shoe Diaries and various, um, you know, is sultry thrillers, sexy thrillers, uh, movies where the the cover of, of the VHS box was something through velour blinds. <laughs> <laughs> I do like about Edward Albert as K- Cabrin? Cabrin? <laughs> Cabrin. <laughs> Because the Wikipedia article, very helpful. It calls <laughs> yes. him an experienced and cool-headed space veteran who is the film's main protagonist. That's great because there's large chunks of the movie where I forgot he fucking existed. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many characters and they all are distinct. Oh, they're, which I enjoy. They're like, I mean, you have everyone. You have an empath. You have a cook. You have a someone there's got to be a Zach the Lego maniac. I mean, there's every possible thing. <laughs> You've got, got, has a power glove. You, you've got Robert Englund, who uses a lady as a seatbelt. Yes, yes that's, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. sexy. That actually <laughs> is apparently very effective. It's, yes, that's how spaceships work. If His you're blasting name. off, you just, you know, someone monkey carries you in their seat, and you're just, that's as And now as they're married. According to space law, they are now married. But like everyone's name is Aluma, Cabrin, Balon, Kuhod. His name? Ranger, which is basically also his job. <laughs> <laughs> they just ran out of weird names. They, they just went through Moby Dick and they're like, I don't know, something like this? And wrote the name down. It's like it was a, a place filler and they just never figured it out. It was just slapping the keys a bunch of times and like, that works. Oh, you mean the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Both. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of keyboard typing in here that looks like no one has ever touched a keyboard before. (laughs) They're worried if it might bite them. Tippy, tippy, tippy tap at it with a single finger. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, no, this, you should be very adept at this. And I don't care if you just like randomly using fingers, but that doesn't look any better than you just randomly using fingers. It looks like you don't know how a keyboard works and you're a space captain. <laughs> what if like for once, if you're going to make a movie that's so impenetrably weird as this is, which fantastic for good on it. It doesn't care about us. It has its own <laughs> internal logic that it is not telling us. Yeah. But just have, have a ship where you have to control it completely with your feet. <laughs> really, if you're gonna if you're gonna go after the, the 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 people who are really into giant maggot intercourse, why not instead go after the people who want to see feet doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff? I mean, I'm surprised it's the one thing not included in here. So basically, what you are uh, you want Flintstones in space? I do want Flintstones in space. Flint space, space Flint stone. Space. <laughs> I mean, that's not ah, just well, the, oh, Jetsons. the Jetsons. I mean. <laughs> but they didn't use their they didn't use their feet though. They could. We have. don't know that. We honestly, my, honestly, that that entire society could be still powered by feet, and we just haven't <laughs> seen it. It's just none of the feet of the main characters. I mean, oh, there could definitely true. be people with feet, like just kind of operating that little machine that like puts out the like the fully cooked meal with a push of a button, or fully kind of put, by feet, or pushes George, <laughs> or pushes George through, you know, to get to shave him and 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 dress him in the morning. And now I'm getting a little, I'm starting to move towards like a little fetishy for people, but <laughs> oh no, well that's the wrong place to talk about fetishes in this movie, which is not weirdly kinky at all. Oh, not at all. <laughs> Um, I love that the uh, the command, the pilot captain's quarter, we know where you where you drive the ship with your feet, also has a spirograph in it. What are you using <laughs> that for? Stress, stress relief. <laughs> she needs it very um, badly. Can we talk very at length about Captain Trantor, played by the one and only Grace Zabritsky? She's crazy. <laughs> well, well, the problem is, is that, I mean, I do think that most people know her from playing Sarah Palmer, which, I mean, she had a very long career before that, but that was probably her pivotal acting role. And she's absolutely just completely around the bend in that movie. And mm -hmm. she's also got those kind of crazy eyes. And, and it's like, I, I can't see, I can't imagine her walking into an audition for this movie and so he went yeah that's our captain right there <laughs> the 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 lady the lady that looks like you're gonna wake up in the middle of the night she's gonna be standing over your bed with a butcher knife <laughs> i love that she has two modes of of just reacting to everything she's either batshit crazy or she doesn't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have I, I would be willing to bet that this character was probably originally written to be played by a man and that they cast a woman in the role and felt really good about themselves. Yeah. So that when someone could point out and say, hey, about this uh this giant worm rape scene, yeah, but we cast this woman in a role originally meant for a man. <laughs> because, well, can we just you know focus on that for a minute? She's very casual. That that's what I was talking about earlier. Like when they they put this whole mission into into effect to get them to that planet and find the other ship, she's just like, Well, we're taking off in like five minutes. Hope everybody's ready. Like, no, 30 seconds. 30, yeah. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. That's 30 right. Seconds. This start where like 
there's this like, oh, everyone buckle up. We're going to, we're taking off further into space because we're already in space. We're all in space. And like everyone buckles up last second. They're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they get where they're going. And then she's like, okay, cool. Everyone's relaxed. Let's get going again. Everyone buckle back up. I'm like, why is this movie doing this twice to start off? What is going on? I don't even know who any of these people are. And you've now given me two scenes where they have to buckle up. <laughs> you know, and they they hint that she survived some sort of catastrophic event that they never explain. That's just that's just never explained at all. But they they start the movie with a catastrophic event, but it's not hers. She is a survivor of space macho bravo or well, bravo macho. What is it? Macho grande. <laughs> macho grande. <laughs> Those moves run pretty deep, <laughs> and she doesn't have time. Like. She survived something. So she's, I, I suppose what they're going for is that she is fearless, or at least what you might assume she is fearless by going, oh, we're just taking off. And now we're going to the hyperspace. And then when they get to the planet, they're going too fast. And she pushes back from the edge of, of the commands thing. <laughs> and she goes, all right, uh, we're dead. I can't, I can't do anything. I give up. <laughs> she just kind of like, what? She gives up so, so completely. <laughs> and there's no way out of this. Uh, put your head between your knees and kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> Bye. As they plunge towards the planet that they were in one of these movies, when you get, when you get sucked into a planet, that's going to kill you. Spoilers. The planet's going to kill them. <laughs> like it's usually like a planet you didn't intend to go to. But they had every intention of going to this fucking planet. <laughs> yes. And the thing they're going to that planet, uh, which they do not know, I guess applies space brakes for them so they can slow down. Although she does say, I'm going to try to spin our way out of this. <laughs> what? I I don't think that breaks uh, air, uh, spacecraft descents when you twirl around a bunch. But that's before she just kind of gives up. And then, and then uh, Commander Ivar, played by uh, Bernard Burns, who was a, like a professional old person for much of his career. <laughs> well, he's that he's, in this movie, too. Yes. Um, so he was cast perfectly. He's like, use use the use the brakes. And she's like, no, nah, we're going too fast. <laughs> Like, why even try why it's, even try like we might as well slam into the crust of this planet we'll die I've, I've had a i've had a good run she hasn't <laughs> she has had a terrible run of things she seems haunted by her run but needless to say uh the space pyramid slows them down enough for them to screech to a halt on this desolate planet that is very blue um if you're wondering why the sets on this kind of look good it's because they were created by james cameron this is his dry run for terminator and aliens he is doing all the back projection here he has made all the miniatures and that's why they kind of look pretty good <laughs> yeah i was i was watching certain i'm like wait a minute this looks a little too good for the for this for this kind of movie which is i think why they wanted to use the sets over and over again because they didn't look their normal level of shitty. It's the same reason why they kept using the, the spacecraft from battle beyond the stars because James Cameron made them and they don't suck. And one of them looks like a <laughs> uterus. 
<laughs> that would have fit into this movie, I think. It uh, would have. It would have fit in perfectly, but it doesn't have great landing, you know, pads. So that whole don't use the brake things might not have gone over as well. Who can say? Um, well, like over on Predicto Cast, we've watched our handful or two handfuls of really current day uh, low budget sci-fi movies. This movie looks better than they do now. Like <laughs> they they're not, they aren't overly like the ones now either are lit way too much or not at all. So like this oh. movie has shadows, which is appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks good. I mean, on the, the walls, the, the, in the hallways of the spacecraft, both the, the wrecked one and the, the quest uh, on the walls, there's this, textured surface on there that's mcdonald's carryaway container <laughs> that they stapled to the wall and spray painted and it looks a billion times better than jason x gina <laughs> this movie is everything jason x wants to be and cannot be if jason x was fucking like this then i would understand people going oh i love jason x it's so much fun it's so weird it's so gory no, outside of that one frozen face kill, it kind of blows and it takes almost two hours for it to be done. This thing is like zip, zip, zoom. Yes. Here's a worm attacking a lady. <laughs> <laughs> After that, you can just turn it off because nothing else of interest happens. <laughs> no, there is interest that happens after that worm. I promise you. It's just as weird as the first half. So uh, also on the crew, we have Aluma, played by uh, the person who Chachi loves, uh, Aaron Moran. <laughs> who, who is a psychic, a telepath. I, I Again, this is something I only gathered from reading the Wikipedia page. I mean, she kind of makes some kind of offhand remark when they see this giant pyramid. It's like, oh, I don't feel anything. Which is like, okay, I don't know what that means. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's She's size sensitive. This is just, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Oh, we all, that's very common phraseology here on the West Coast, where <laughs> if you go to a bar and you're like, hey, what do you do? I'm size sensitive. Oh, I, yeah, I see. Is that like being an indigo child or something? <laughs> exactly. There's lots of crystals involved. <laughs> yeah, crystal throwing stars, which seems impractical. Uh, it does. <laughs> uh, they're very sharp, but yet you get to hold on to one part of them. Uh, Sid Haig plays Kuad. Um, who lives? He's so sweaty. Christmas. He's he's so he's sweaty so in this sweaty. movie. I can't get over it. <laughs> he also doesn't talk, like most of his dialogue he, is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he gets like I think one actual full line of dialogue in this entire movie. Most of the time, he looks like he's about to just take one of those throwing stars and just just jam it right into somebody's right between somebody's shoulder blades. <laughs> the introduction of the throwing stars was so fantastic because when, as I explore this down spaceship and a dead body falls down, my first reaction wouldn't have been, let's throw a ninja star at it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's taken care of. Like, but it was already dead. <laughs> ah, you can't be too sure. Sometimes you need to stab it with a crystal to make sure. Sometimes dead isn't enough. <laughs> oh, my favorite thing about Sid Haig in this movie is he has a moment with every guy, never a woman. He will go up to him and just kind of like throw a karate chop in their face and then make a fist. <laughs> like you and I, we're going to get through this together. 
And then he's the second person to die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the third person to die, but still, like, he, you think, I think they're setting him up to be like, oh, that guy's too tough to uh, let this place get to him. But as soon as his crystals shatter, he becomes a man baby. The problem He's is, really attached to them crystals, y'all. I mean, I mean, the problem is there is only one person who could defeat him himself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Never trust your severed left arm. If you learn anything from this podcast, it should be, Never trust your severed left arm. It will always turn on you. <laughs> but before we get to that, let's talk about the exploration of the down spacecraft that they're there to rescue. And that they everyone kind of splits up. They start burning bodies as soon as they see them. How does that help? How does that help anybody? Like, oh, dead body. Burn. If you watch CSI. Burn that, that dead that- body. That's not real. In real life, they burn every piece of evidence they can find. <laughs> Oh, I can't imagine how this happened. Well, did you uh, gather evidence? We brought back a body, but we burned everything else. But we should be able to figure it out, right? <laughs> why, why is there a ninja star in it? Did that kill it? No, I did that. <laughs> well, I, after the fact. Can, can you imagine like like an episode of Law and Order where like uh, like Jerry Orbach just shows up and just like finds dead body, just like flings a throwing star at it. Just need to make sure it was dead. <laughs> Target practice. <laughs> and you think like, oh, well, this is a space movie. Of course he has a ninja star. <laughs> I mean, you know. We found him on set. There's that, there's that edited scene from, from, from Alien in which Ripley flings a few throwing stars at the xenomorph. <laughs> and they look very real. That's what everyone should walk away from this podcast knowing. They don't look fake. At all. <laughs> they look like real crystal throwing stars. That, I mean, that, that, sh- that shatter as soon as he drops them. Yeah. <laughs> they can hold open ancient doors because you would use ninja stars to do that. Yeah, as soon as he, he does that, you're kind of like, why the fuck did you do that? This is a terrible idea. Why don't you want that door to open? Why doesn't he want the door to open? Why not just let it open? You got a bunch of people with fucking uh, guns and you've got those crystal uh, ninja stars that look like something from a, you know, like version eight of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those crystals are are something that would hang from an old lady's rear view mirror. Like... <laughs> But before we get to that, we do need to circle back to cause the cause as we all know him to be. How did he get this job? I don't his, know. his father like works in like upper management, doesn't he? He definitely slept his way into this gig and by slept, uh, not having sex. I mean, he literally, literally just fell asleep and fell asleep. And, They're like, who's somebody, left? somebody dragged him from from training class to training class. I need someone who can draw enough oxygen not to talk, but mainly to scream. Well, oh, Cause is here. Bring him. They had to leave so fast and Cause had just fallen asleep on the quest. And they were like, well, he's here. So we've got to go. <laughs> he doesn't know how seatbelts work. <laughs> I mean, if everyone wears beige, who's to know who's part of the team and who is supposed to be, you know, doing the laundry. That's very true. <laughs> uh, Cause wanders through this uh, spacecraft. <laughs> Because I love, I love it because this would be this would wonderful to be me. 
<laughs> just like you know, I'm bumping into something and just you know, screaming like a little girl. There, there are some great high pitched man. He screams, screams like this. Ned Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've gone over my my love of people things happening to people in wheelchairs. I've gone over my my love of obvious dummies. I also love comically high pitched screams from men. For that just <laughs> that any movie that features that, I, I that's already that's already an extra star in, in, in its favor for me. So uh, he's afraid of millipedes. He's afraid. That- he's afraid of steam pipes. Yeah. He, he's afraid of you know just random hoses coming out of things and, and brushing <laughs> past him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not afraid of Baylor, uh, played by Zalman King who keeps ordering everyone, like, let Kaz run around the ship by himself and scream. This, <laughs> that's how I run the ship. <laughs> and so the, he survives miraculously the round trip around this abandoned spacecraft. And they're like, okay, everybody, we brought one body. We burned up all the other evidence. Let's go back to the quest. And they all put on their ill-fitting backpacks that look really cool, but don't work so well later on when they're climbing. Like everyone keeps having to hoist it back over their shoulders because it looks like something you would attach to an action figure. It's not, there are no actual straps. They have like, like, like the headlights for like a 1979 Chevy Impala attached to them. (laughs) It's like, it's half, it's half Impala, half proton pack, half like captain power. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These flashback flashlight backpacks, or I could call them flashbacks. <laughs> oh, okay. They're, 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 Technical term. They're they're very fancy. I do like them. They're complete. It would be a lot easier if they just held a flash flashlight in their hand, <laughs> uh, especially because they're constantly falling off of them as they <laughs> yeah. climb up this pyramid. Um, but he's having trouble putting his on while everyone else is outside. Then he hears a noise screams what feels like 15 times (laughs) and then finally a whip noise sounds like indiana jones is having a a battle with you and it turns out that it's some kind of millipede monster and then it takes a claw to his forehead and blood just starts flowing everywhere and that's it that's it for cause aaron moran says like oh i could feel like a kind of life force near him, but then it's gone. I don't know. That's not really important. Yeah, nobody's really, <laughs> nobody's go particularly. To this your con- dreams kill you. Yeah, no, nobody seems particularly concerned that she says that. No, she's never taken seriously in the entirety of this. Which movie. is, which is, you know, leads me to the question: What is she doing there? No, <laughs> if, if her, if her, if her main purpose is to be an empath or or a telepath or psychic or whatever the fuck she's supposed to be, and yet every time she makes some sort of observation, everybody's like, "Come on, that's nonsense." Well, then, what is she doing there? What if, like, Counselor Troy, every Why time we bring spoke, you along, just got yelled I'm, at? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you would be on my podcast. That's what happens yes. every time someone speaks. I yell at them. Yeah, and, and at the end, it's it's okay that you yelled at me because in the end, I get my head crushed. <laughs> yeah, and again, I mean, her her abilities don't do her any good in the end. It's so, ironic. Yeah, she, she, mean, can, <laughs> she can sense with her brain, and then her head gets crushed. Don't worry about it. It's irony. Don't give that away. That is the second half of the movie. Oh, okay, cut that part out. <laughs> I don't edit this podcast. Come on, Patrick. I'll make you work for it. <laughs> All right. 
I can't imagine anyone's going to run out and watch this after we after we get to <laughs> oh, Everyone should run out and watch this movie. I unabashedly love it. I'm not saying it's good. I, I'm, I'm saying not, it's my I, kind of good. I'm not at the loving it stage yet. I, I'm just I'm <laughs> baffled right now. I really don't understand what's happening. But if you knew what was happening, it wouldn't have the charm that it does. <laughs> Like the, I think really the reason I like it is because shit just happens and people accept it. Like, it's like, like causes, okay. causes entire story arc happens in one walk around a ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's really nothing like, like watching a movie that you could tell there was another half hour of movie at some point And they were just like, what? We don't need this. You know, we don't. We don't need to understand why uh, the you know, the captain of the ship and and the you know the, the the handsome hero don't get along with each other. We 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 don't need. That's not important. No. You know, we we don't need to know where this guy was the whole time. That or then that him showing up. It was you know it was a surprise to everyone. The audience doesn't need to know that. Yeah, maybe in the maybe in another cut, there's like instead of them having to leave in thirty seconds, there's there's thirty minutes, and that's when we got to know the crew. And they're like, no, 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 chop, 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 chop. <laughs> Here's the problem. I assume if there if there was extra 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 footage, it's mostly of the mega having sex with that character. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot to mention when they make that emergency landing that Grace Sabrinsky pets the console, like, come on, baby, come on. And as we learned in Jason X, just petting a computer won't improve your odds of survival. You have to have sex with it. That's the way computers work. We're not endorsing Uh, that you have sex with your computer. We're just saying it may improve your processor speed. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying it will improve your odds of something or other. So uh, uh, they get back to the spaceship and they're like, I don't know what fucking happened. He was there that he wasn't, you know, his face got ripped off. And uh, then they're like, oh, well, we're going to, when we landed here, there was this one thing that's that we pat the camera passes and then it blinks out. I'm like, well, we should go look at it. Uh, okay. Fine. Like we can't leave because it drew us to the planet. And so we have to go to it. Like, I, oh, I, I did like a bad plan. I did like the scene where um, Robert England, for no discernible reason, is also performing an autopsy. Yeah, what is, what is, <laughs> he, yeah, he kind of does the equivalent of, of you know the Dirty Harry movies, where you've always got the uh, you've got the the coroner like eating a hoagie, over the, yeah. over the dead body, putting it on the chest and wiping <laughs> your brow with a blood covered glove. Yeah. He like doesn't realize like everybody can see this like you know, laid out you know, he laid open corpse he's just like oh i'm sorry and he like kind of runs his bloody hand across his mouth (laughs) that's a great moment robert england i love it but what is the crew member assignments on this like i I, you're not usually an engineer and the coroner yeah that's (laughs) usually not a i mean i I realize i mean maybe in this future you know space budgets are very tight yeah you know (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe the cook was also the navigator. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the cook is the only one they really specifically point out. Like, you're the cook. You made this food in front of me, and, and he appears at one point. Which was like a pitcher of lemonade, which is, <laughs> yes, which is very nice. Space country time. <laughs> Spuntry time. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Yeah, okay. that's that's I something else. I don't like that at all. I want to. 
ask a question of all of you. What's the deal with the, the master? Is he their god? I think he's at least in charge it, of everyone somehow. But they they they, but, they they do epitaphs like you would say God, except for the master, which is odd because so. at the start of the movie, I thought, here's the bad guy of the movie. But but is he? But I don't know because who cares? The movie doesn't. But all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> he's our boss. Also, he's our God. Well, you know, his head does glow. I mean, <laughs> motherfucker. It's like, it's like if Jesus ran your office. <laughs> Oh. Jesus I mean, if you talk to Patrick. if you talk to some yeah, if you talk to some folks out there, they would say that that is what's happening. What if God was among us? What if one of us also his head lit up like there's, a there's light a, plate? Yeah, I've got a I've got a bumper sticker on my car. It says Jesus is my co-pilot and also my CEO. <laughs> it's like The Office, the the sitcom. Only Michael Scott is Jesus, and his head glows. <laughs> That's what's happening here. Other than that, it's exactly the same. I want to make a t-shirt about that right now. <laughs> oh, if someone can make up some quick fan art of the office with the master put in Michael Scott's place, that would be great. Okay. That would be fantastic. I have one for Gina. Gina, what does his mug say? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, would, I would assume the classic, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. <laughs> Or or until morale until morale improves, the beatings will continue. World's best master. <laughs> uh, he uh, he's Mitri. His little assistant has got uh, a Zendaya is Mitri mug. <laughs> oh my god! She, she's got funny. that. She's got that like fake hand grenade on her desk. that says take a number. <laughs> Maybe it's a really big mug and it just says the master sends meat, but the devil sends the cook. <laughs> what was that? What does that mean? I don't know. What's this Did movie? It's, a, it's, it's perfect because the mo- we don't know what the movie means either. <laughs> if there was literally someone drinking out of a cup that said that, I'd be like, yeah, all right. That, that's fitting with the rest of this movie. You know, I think all people are good except for cooks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in yeah. this world, they might be upper management. <laughs> That's true. They might secretly, not a secret at all. I don't, they're not pitching his voice nearly low enough. We know that's my favorite Martian the whole time, <laughs> everyone. I lo- So they decide, let's go climb that pyramid. So Zalman King starts like pissing everybody off and making everyone do extra stuff and is really angry at Commander Ivar. And they climb up this mountain, and <laughs> Ivar stops halfway through and basically says, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> but, not, but not old enough to hit on one of his subordinates when she's like, ah, oh, you're not that bad. You're not that old. You're, you're, you're doing fine. He's like, not when I look at you. <laughs> Ew, dude, we work together. Motherfucker. We're in space. Take this seriously. Everyone looks at her with fuck eyes. It is crazy. It's like they've never been around a woman and they are not counting Aaron Moran or Grace Zabrinsky in this equation at all. Would you try hitting on Grace Zabrinsky? She looks no, like she she, she looks like she put a off. she looks like she put a fucking pencil in your eye. <laughs> and then and then, is, and then pull the like pen, a... and then pull the pencil out and keep doing her crosswords with it. <laughs> 
dating her would be like fear factor. Like you would really have to get up your nerve in order to like, she's like tonight I made dinner. Also, we're going to crawl into this glass coffin of spiders. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm going to tell you about this fun mission. I went to with Rio Bravo. Macho Macho Grande. That's the new thing at Taco Bell, right? Yeah, Yeah, the Chalupa Supreme. (laughs) (laughs) That's where all of her uh, former uh, teammates died. That's what that's what people are when you're in a space army. They're teammates, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, with her mission with everyone else, Yum Brands. (laughs) (laughs) Commander Ivar goes, "Oh my God, there's a big orifice here." Let's get into it. Yeah, let me climb down this pyramid's butthole. (laughs) Which is exactly what it looks like. And then it turns out that the pyramid's butthole has polyps, angry gleek glop polyps that smash out of it and start sucking on him. But the sound effect they use (laughs) is the same one that they use when Scooby-Doo has a milkshake. And it doesn't sound scary. Yeah, right. And that's why I like it. This must be his greatest fear, which is oddly specific. (laughs) It is really specific. I'm going to go down a hole and people with gleep glop arms on are just going to whap at me and start sucking on my stuff i guess <laughs> that that's what i thought it was gonna well i thought like if it was about fear and it's about like you know their their imaginations getting the better of them like i thought he was going to he kept talking about how old he was and he was just going to age rapidly and just turn into a skeleton or something yeah, see, that would have been cool yeah, but no he just gets attacked by tentacles which is like okay i guess my fear is also crawling into a pyramid's asshole and being killed by tentacles <laughs> Sucked off. Sucked out. I'm sorry. Sucked out by ten yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, come on. They drink his milkshake. Um, they drink it up. <laughs> uh but it's very obvious guys with whose arms are inside of rubber and just thwapping at him. It's not uh it's I think really when it comes down to it, this movie's biggest deficit comes from not having one monster, but having every monster. Some of those monsters look relatively cool, and some of them just look like, I don't know, do you have an extra millipede claw? Sure, use that. (laughs) So he gets sucked off to death, and then they they get to the top of the big gate, and this is the place where Kuhad, the, the doors open, and he tries to stop the doors from opening, but they're already kind of open. He just likes throwing those fucking things, and I don't think he cares. And yeah, I, he, I, they've I always survived till now. In my in my you know continued you know state of being perplexed over this movie, I, I felt like that they were trying to suggest that he might be a bad guy because he's just sort of looking at everybody like he's wondering what their head would look like on a stick. Just, just, you know, just sort of like, and like, he's just like, you know, he's, you know, sweating buckets and, and, you know, everybody just kind of looks at him and he just, you know, he looks like he's about to strangle them. And I'm I'm like, is this good? Is this going to be the guy that, you know, we we have to, you know, we have to catch the specimen so we can study it. The problem (laughs) is, is that everyone else looks like 
a regular person in a beige outfit, and he said, "Hey, that's that's a." big problem for this movie is that <laughs> yeah, you have I mean, normal people and Sid Haig. You're like, what the fuck is going on with that guy? Yeah, it's same like it's going on in every Sid Haig movie. He's Sid Haig. It's like watching um, uh, Tom Tells. He because I he's imprinted on my brain from Henry Portrait of a Sierra Killer that every other role I have seen him in, I'm like, OK, he's the bad guy. <laughs> I, mean, they would, I, I don't know i don't know how either of these characters either of these actors never played brothers in a movie because they look alike yeah and they both kind of have that kind of just crazy eyed look and, and how they've ever tried to be cast as not bad guys is beyond me like freddy krueger is this movie but he's just a dude he's like a goofball in it yeah he's a uh, comic relief i think but or, also or... the but also the coroner which is just they needed one, so he's the guy who's got a kind of chin strap beard. What is going on with that beard? That I didn't, even notice, I didn't even notice hair. he had a beard, to be honest with that, you. That fuzz, you know what that means? It means sex. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's just on the dewy edge here of the best looking he ever was like if you're like but he's playing he's pretty much playing kind of the same character he played in v where he's just he's just a big old doofus yes i think that's what he was until freddy krueger he was the big old doofus (laughs) and then freddy krueger came along and everyone's like oh no 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 slap some rubber on him and he's the scariest man alive he just needed his skin was too good for too long. It's still it's the main problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why you gotta have a chin strap beard or burn uh makeup on there, uh, so that you just don't instantly fall in love. Um Kuad's uh crystals break, and he is instantly distraught. Now, this would mean something to me, the viewer, if I were told it meant something to him. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just shown it after the fact. He's like, he's like, just, yeah, he's distraught. It's like he's broke his grandmother's china. The, I mean, yeah, it's that, it's that thing of like, well, uh, my toys are broken and now I'm just going to sit here while you guys continue to go have fun because I just don't want, I don't even want to be involved anymore. Yeah, he can't go on. He's useless to them. And so they're like, all right, stay by the door, you big baby, and cry over your, your, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stars. <laughs> and we'll go and do our job, I guess. So they do that. Uh, they all take off. Uh, but once they do, he hears a noise outside. He The door starts to close. He squeezes out and then his crystals reform. And he is a happy boy. <laughs> He's so, so excited. He's, He's so sweaty, excited. sweatier than ever. <laughs> Just so very moist and happy. But then, before you know it, once he picks one up, it starts to attack him. A piece of it breaks off and goes up his arm. So he uses another portion of it to cut his left arm off. (laughs) And you think, thank God, he's cut his own arm off. Everything will be fine now. Nope, because that arm is just going to pick up another crystal and throw it into his chest. I like how the, and, how the arm the arm is kind of like tapping its fingers like it's waiting for you know a phone call to come in. <laughs> I will I will say that the the crystal going up his arm legitimately made me uncomfortable. I was like, that's that a, was pretty a pretty good effect. That was a good effect. It was. I totally agree with it you. It was very gross and they they did a nice job. 
And so uh, they get to another part and they're like, okay, we're going to have to squeeze into this tiny spot. And uh, Aaron Moran's like, I didn't stop loving Chachi to come out in the middle of space to go into a, uh, a tight area. I dislike it. And we're like, yes, we know everyone has a fear. That's your fear. You're going to, you're going to be in a tight space. Uh, okay. We get it. Which again, I mean, are you really cut out for space exploration if you don't like being in small spaces? Cause, cause no. that seems like, that seems like, you know, somebody who, who joins them, you know, joins the Marines, not the Marines, the Navy, and they get assigned to submarine duty. Well, I don't like small spaces. Well, <laughs> yeah. I have bad news I, for you. I mean, are you cut out to be like a, a space ranger or Marine or whatever these people are? If, the breaking of your crystal to- toys upsets you to the point where you cannot go on with your mission. A fair point, to be sure. Prepared. As soon yeah. as you said space rangers, I'm picturing Buzz Lightyear on this mission. And what would his greatest fear be? This, this picture running through the hallways of Zerg. With those little those little feet, run, that little run he does with the little you know choppy feet, I love that. I just want to picture him running around the hallways in that. I think his greatest fear is like self realization or because <laughs> it's kind of what he goes through in that movie. I am a toy. And he, <laughs> he learns that he's immortal, and there's nothing more for him. So another uh, teammate, a space ranger teammate uh, named Demia, uh, is like all right. I don't like this place. I don't, I thought I saw a worm. I hate bugs. And instantly you're going, Oh, she's going to get it by worm. And then, uh, then uh, Zalman King's like, go back to Kuhad and see if that big baby's still weeping over his broken crystal. And uh, she gets over there and she sees that uh, Kuhad's uh, severed arm has a bunch of space maggots on it. And then somehow in the background, a space maggot grows. Is it one of the, was she, she, is it one of the ones that was eating his arm? I'm not Because it doesn't sure. really, I mean, it starts out as a maggot and then it turns into like this insane space worm. Yeah. I think it is one of those maggots. Like it, it, she sees that and then it gets huge. If it's not one that directly comes from the severed arm, it's one of their friends. Like they're related, but not like <laughs> not, not a direct marriage. More they, like a, they called a their big brother cousin. over. Yeah, hey, he's horny. He is. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, content. That's, that's how you. Yeah, that's how you settle a dispute in the neighborhood. I'm going to call my big horny brother over here to deal with you. <laughs> so this giant maggot begins to rip her clothes off one piece at a time. And for the next two and a half minutes, you're going to watch her slowly undressed by a, by a couple guys inside and, of a big silicone suit. And covered in baby oil, apparently, because why not? <laughs> well, yeah. You know. I, I, when I, as this was happening, I was like, okay, this is weird. There's a big maggot and it's on top of her. And it's like, oh, I thought I was going to eat her or whatever. And then her shirt comes off and I'm like, okay. I guess I get it because that is a thing that happens. We, you know, we have gratuitous boobs in horror movies. I'm not totally surprised. And then her pants came off and I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) We're laughing to keep from crying here. This is the one part of this movie I I intensely dislike because how could you possibly like it? That's the thing. Like this is not designed for liking. All I will say, because because I am but one woman talking to three dudes about a, a rape worm, is <laughs> is that 
I, I would like to know how, how this was explained to the actress. I, I call this, I have this thing, I call it the Buffalo Bill conundrum, which is, I, I want to know how certain scenes were explained to to the actor. Like, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I need you to do. And just kind of, you know, I, I wish I could hear how these things are hashed out. I, I have the feeling that in the script, it says, you know, what, what's the character's name? Dot. Demia? Demia. I I would be willing to bet that in the script it says the worm attacks Demia. Just like in Silence of the Lambs, it was Bill dances. (laughs) (laughs) And that they, you know, they had to elaborate, you know, okay, well, here's what I, here's what I pictured happened in this scene. And just how, you know, they talked her through this. Now, I will point out, we, I think we mentioned this before we started recording, the Wikipedia page for this is exhaustively (laughs) detailed i mean i mean someone lovingly wrote about this movie you know described the plot in a way that i'm watching this i'm watching this beat by beat i still don't see this stuff happening (laughs) and there is an entire section four paragraphs long about just this scene shockingly you you, you know hold on to your hats it was more explicit originally And that they had to tone down. Originally, she was supposed to act like she was enjoying it after a while. And then they, like, well, well no, we need to cut that a little you bit. The impression of. Well, that's, I mean, the that, of course, gives- I mean, it, not so much now, but a lot of old romance novels, that was very much a thing. Where, yeah. where a, a, you know, the male character would, you know, rape the heroine and after a while she'd really get into it. And that's, you know, that was a thing. It's not a thing anymore. Thank God. But, but certainly, yeah. you know, around this time, it was still a thing. So, you know, I think that this movie, you know, we're not, you know, this isn't grimy enough. You know, let's not have, let's not have a rape scene. Let's have a rape scene in which she likes it. Because why wouldn't you like having four sex with a giant space worm? <laughs> God. <laughs> It's upsetting the point where I read a Wikipedia article on her, I think it was, and it mentioned that she became a cult favorite due to her being in like back-to-back movies where she had an over-the-top crazy death in a like a Roger Corman movie. And I'm like, if she became one of your favorites because of this scene, you're fucking messed up. <laughs> like, oh, totally. Like, don't, like don't, don't sit back with ironic, like disenchantment of it. Like, <laughs> it's funny because it's so crazy, but I really love it. And it's like... You can't do it. It's 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 a horrifying thing to have, to put in your your script. No one would ever do this now. Well, here's the thing. Like here's here's like this is from the Wikipedia page, and this is a problem with this movie. In an interview shown on the Blu-ray disc, Corman says the character of Demia is re as rewritten. So they they tried to write this into what you know what we watched had a fear of sex as well as a fear of worms. O'Connell, who was the actual player, in a separate interview with Femme Fatale's magazine, interpreted that Demia was frightened by her own sexuality and desire to submit to something more powerful than herself, something the monster created from her fears gives gives to her to a lethal extent. Where the fuck was that in this movie? <laughs> was there any indication at all that she had a fear of her sexuality? No. No. There's no. nothing. There's not a... This is like J.K. Rowling going back and retconning her own writing. Like you can't say later that you know that your movie had something in it that's not there. You 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 can't. That's you know that is you know a really Weasley way to get out of a gross scene. She the character also dies at the end, so it's not like she learns something about herself. She's killed <laughs> by yeah. the maggot having intercourse with her. I mean, if they if they you know if they really wanted to do that, I mean, I don't think they should have because I think 
you know, a fear of sexuality is not going to exhibit itself, exhibit itself by you getting raped by a space worm. I mean, I just don't, I don't, you know, that that's not how I would imagine something like that would, you know, would play itself out. Probably not. But, but maybe like when she's being sexually harassed by these other men, kind of have her like, you know, you have mixed feelings about it. You may know, being a little bit into it, but kind of repulsed by it at the same time. But nope, they don't do any of that. The you know, all, they come to that sort of, mixing of her emotions is she flirts a lot with uh with freddy krueger and then zalman king's like at one point she goes that's enough and he goes when has it ever been enough for you <laughs> and i'm kind of like where is this coming from zalman yeah king? and i'm that's- like i'm like okay they think all right i guess they had a thing at one time whatever it's another thing the movie doesn't explain but it, but that doesn't tell me that this character is a fear of their sexuality no, I mean, I mean, I mean you know, t- topical for the for the podcast that came across much better in, in Freddy's Revenge than he had a fear of his sexuality. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a success rate. Uh, Freddy's Revenge beats this hands down in, ter- uh, in, in terms of making those fears into a horror reality and fantasy. It, it's it, it. They watched Alien. And they're like, all these people are having sex with one another. Well, maybe in our movie, they're all having sex with one another. But you don't really get that across. It's just like everyone knows Eddie Albert's kid. And like maybe a couple people wrote his mustache, but (laughs) I mean, it's a a good mustache. I mean, you know, it can't be understated. (laughs) Don't forget. I know we've mentioned him a lot in this episode, which is basically not at all. He is the cool headed protagonist of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's why he's not talked about because everyone else is flipping the fuck out constantly when they see worms when they see millipedes, when they look at a tiny tunnel, when they're crystal breaks, <laughs> when 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 a when a you know bunch of vacuum cleaner hoses fall out of something on them, <laughs> <laughs> when um, Johnny Bravo Macho is mentioned, and uh, what is it again? Macho Grande. <laughs> El Camacho Grande. <laughs> This is why I write notes for my podcast. <laughs> One, you know, that's a good idea. I should pick that up. <laughs> no, nah, don't start it. It's a, it's a, it's a deep hole. You don't want to. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so that uh, that's it for this section of the movie. But of course, before we can really move on to talk about anything else, there's one thing we do have to decide. We have to choose your own death venture. And so in this section of the movie, if you were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would you choose and why? Up for bid, we have grapple with a laundry ghost and hit some (laughs) pipes. And then um, we have, uh, I guess uh, we have, what's the next one? The cause, Uh, right? The cause. Cause. You get uh, hugged to death by a millipede. Is that what's happening there or is something happening there? Because that's a a behind the back attack that feel like for a movie that has one space worm sexual assault. Um, no, I think it just, I think, happening? I think it just kind of like, you know, this, wrapped around like squeezing to death or something. Yeah. It's just, it grabs him and then rips his guts out basically. 
Okay. Uh, and then there's the old man who gets sucked off to death in a pyramid's butthole. And uh, then you die by the crystals and uh, your own left arm. Or you get sexually assaulted by a space maggot. Uh, and so uh, Josh, as our first of two guests and returning champion, <laughs> I choose you to go first. Oh, God. Um, well, I, I, I don't want to pick the last one uh, because that's it's horrible. Um, I, I guess I got to go with... I got to go with the with the, the old man in the in the pyramids butthole and all the tentacles because of that sound effect. I think specifically because of that sound effect, because they it's just delightful. went to they went to a cartoon sound effect library, found that and threw it on there. And I would love to hear that before I die. It's like, what's the blood curdling <laughs> noise of all your blood being drained out of your body? And they're like, I don't know. This is Mark Hanna-Barbera. Does this work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the one for me. And, I, and I'll right. go out like I lived. <laughs> <laughs> Always climbing into space buttholes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, yeah. That's how I know you. Uh, Skinner, what say you? I have to go with the first one where, he, where he's getting attacked by something while he's looking at basically laundry. <laughs> I would oftentimes when I'm in the middle of doing chores, I think, God, I wish I could just die right now. It's supposed to finish all this work. <laughs> Now, will will your family be okay with your remains not returning to your home planet because they were burned just as soon as they see it? Less cleanup, all the better. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) My cats would probably get into it. It'd be just disgusting. Before they burn you up, though, they got to throw some stars into you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you got to. That's just part of the process. Uh, Gina, uh, what death have you chosen for yourself? Well, like I said, I, I related spiritually to to cause. I, I would I would can definitely see myself being you know sent on a on a an assignment I'm absolutely in no way suited for, and and handling it by by vomiting and screaming and sweating and and just kind of stumbling around and getting lost. So yeah, I can, and and I do have a a fear of things with lots of little legs. So, so certainly in a Pennywise fashion, a, a giant millipede just rising up and just, you know, tearing my guts out would absolutely be on brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you, are, are your pipes up to screaming that much? Cause that's a lot of screaming. I, I can manage. I, I can, I'm not a smoker. I, I drink a lot of tea. I, I, think, mm-hmm. I, I think I can handle it. Okay. It, it, you know, if you train your voice in the right direction, you can just scream nonstop. You just have to be trained in a way that it doesn't hurt your voice. Yeah, I just, I just, I just picture myself just running through hallways, like ah! Ah! <laughs> just, just you know, well, well, just you know, occasionally you'll just hear me running past in the background. You'll be auditioning for screamo bands before you know it. Exactly. Uh, you'll also be a corpse. <laughs> uh, so I am going to choose dying by the crystals because I've always wanted to have He-Man weapons <laughs> and at least I would have them for a time before they attack me. Um, and then, you know, I would just, you know, kill two birds with one stone and one of those birds would be me. <laughs> bip, bip, boom. <laughs> uh, so before we go, uh, Josh Skinner, uh, where, where can people hear more? Tell them about your podcast and how it all goes down. Uh, yeah, of course we are 
the hosts of PredictoCast. Um, it's a movie podcast where we watch the first 10 minutes of a movie that we know nothing about, and then we try to predict what happens uh, after those 10 minutes. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, uh, or at PredictoCast.com. Uh, it's fun, right, Skinner? Right, and if, since we're two guests, we get to have two plugs. If you really want to think of the back catalog and you're a, yeah. you're a fan of quality music, please go out, <laughs> out of your way, find Butterfly Kisses, a line-by-line -line breakdown, a Crazy Town's hit song, Butterfly, starring Josh <laughs> and myself. It is, as it, it is at least five times more exciting than the pitch I just gave you. Crazy Town has yet to listen to the podcast, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it still exists out on the internet. And hopefully one day shifty shell shock will shake my hand. <laughs> what can, what can I do to get you guys to give this kind of treatment to hinders lips of an angel? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I think that means we're going to be launching angels wings very soon. <laughs> Cause man, I would love that. <laughs> Someone needs to get all up in there. Hey, wait a second. Where, what's that uh, song that Gina you wrote about about that guy who's romancing that uh, underage girl? Oh, oh, butterfly uh, kisses. <laughs> Are you talking into the night? Yes. <laughs> well, no, you, you have to. It's not just you, have, you can't just go into the song. You got to also break down the video too because it's really yeah. something special. You have to see the way this man is dressed and why the police aren't called when he shows up to this mother's doorway is beyond me. It, uh, yes. Uh, download it today, people. Check it out. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from a distant planet somewhere in the galaxy of terror this is the kill by kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film the characters now we're going to unpack all the goriest of details when it comes to galaxy of terror in the hopes that a space rangers untimely end at the hands of their own fears is just the beginning of the jokes we can make about them and their fears. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if I say, put your hand in that wall vagina and open that door, she'll figure out how to do it. It's the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm I'm okay. I, I'm a little bit still lost in this giant pyramid mm -hmm. uh, that's supposed to be showing me things that I am I am afraid of, but but I yes. am I don't know what those will take the forms of. It, it could be some <laughs> vines. Oh, uh, yeah. It could be some tentacles. <laughs> there's there's I, a lot I, of vine and tentacle like structures. Yeah, they're very proud of their puppetry in this movie. <laughs> there's a theme that I'm going to discuss a little bit later on that I have found with this, but let's, let's start with one theme that I found that, that precedes uh, what happened before this episode and what will happen throughout this one. And that is everyone is attacked almost invariably from behind. And I think I found the director's greatest fear, which is being attacked <laughs> from behind. <laughs> it's predominant. Like, Almost everyone gets it from behind, and I'm sensing, oh, I don't know, a theme. 
Yeah, I mean, even the other characters, you know, when they decide to abruptly attack each other, will come from behind. <laughs> like Ray, like Ray Walston gives Robert England the old knocking someone out by hitting them on the back of the, on the neck trick, mm-hmm. which I I didn't know you could do that. Oh, it's a grand tradition, <laughs> as Austin Powers used to refer to it, karate chop, uh, and it works <laughs> like a charm. Can I ask a, 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 a semi-serious question Absolutely. about this movie? Of course. Is it possible that this movie in some way, in some way, inspired yeah. Event Horizon? <laughs> I don't doubt that. I think there are seeds of this film as it was seen by other people that obviously inspired them to do other things. And like, I don't like this, but I like that component of this. And you can see little seeds of it, weirdly enough, in things like The Matrix. <laughs> like, there, there's <laughs> little components here where you can see someone thinking, like, I could use that in, you know, something better. And them doing <laughs> that. I, I honestly do think there are elements here picked up and taken to different heights by other people. I Well, no, I just thought that, you know, the, 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 Paul S.W. Anderson, who did mm-hmm. Event Horizon, is that correct? Right. Yes. You know, that, that he was thinking, you know, I like this idea of people W.S. Anderson. You know, being Sorry. attacked. <laughs> what did I say? S.W. <laughs> I, I would get W.S. It right. How many times have I Paul said the, something on this, on this show? Paul, like the other, times. Paul, not that Paul Anderson, that he was, you know, watching this is like, well, I like the idea of people being, being, you know, att- confronted by their own fears and possibly killed by them or things that they are, you know, they feel guilty about, things that haunt them. But I also don't want rape worms. How can I bring that together? You know, people being, being, you know, sort of almost like a, like a space Pennywise, which I think I, I used that phrase in the last episode, yeah. you know, a space Pennywise concept, but no rape worms. And add a healthy dose of Hellraiser, but without the overt sexuality, which I, I think is something that might've helped that film a little bit. It's a little cold to me. I like a lot of it. I, I watched it recently because they had that new blue come out and it looks pretty good. And you know, it's like a, it's an almost there movie. Um, in turn, I don't think it's genius, but I, obviously he was fucked with a lot by the studio. So how can you make something perfect in those circumstances? That being said, like, I, it's uh, there's a lot of that space Pennywise action going in there, and then you just get you uh, salt bay it with Hellraiser. That little <laughs> thing, the salt comes and cascades off of your forearm. <laughs> um, who knew? Who knew that a movie with a rape worm could be so inspiring um, to 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 many other better filmmakers? But also components of movies that you might not hold up as canon can gestate in you and then turn into something else. I mean, that's what like memory, the origin of Alien seems to be all about. Are these little seeds of concepts that build and build and build until you find all the right people to make it happen. Here, there's not the benefit of this gestating for years and decades. It's a reaction movie. We got to get an Alien-like movie out there. And strangely enough, some of it is really, well, it's at least really cool to look at. <laughs> you got to well, give thing, it that. The problem for me is that I didn't get any of this except that I read the Wikipedia page for it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't get that 
these people were being confronted by their fears. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, the, the only one that kind of makes sense in that regard is, is Robert England because he, he, Oh, he's afraid of himself, which is kind of clever. I, I will, I will give it that it, it's, it's kind of clever, but like the last episode, you know, that the, the character who, who, who gets wormed, let's say, <laughs> you know, in this, in this extremely lovingly detailed Wikipedia page, uh-huh. She is supposed to have been, well, this is her fear of her own sexuality. I was like, oh, is it now? Because <laughs> I I did not get any indication up to that point that she was afraid of her own sexuality. Just as I didn't get any indication that Aaron Moran is afraid of vines. Well, no, I, I think the vines are, just to leap ahead, I think the vines are a symptom of her fear of tight and cons- and confined spaces. And Oh, okay, fine. All right. Okay, <laughs> we'll give you that one. When it comes to, I think it's a misinterpretation of that scene to say that she's afraid of her own, her own sexuality. It is a very legitimate fear that uh, something strange and disgusting would sexually assault you. That's a legitimate fear. A legitimate Oh, of course. That, that, that people can very much resonate with. It's rarely displayed when it comes to slime worms in outer space, but that's like the taking the Giger element of alien and trying to run with it and make it sexier for a Corbin audience. Um, yeah. But it wasn't, but it wasn't sexy. <laughs> it was so I, agree, sexy. I agree. But th- that's where the misfire happens is that it doesn't matter how good the core idea is if the execution leaves you wondering what? So there's a lot of this in, 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 in the movie, but I find the sum of its parts very interesting to watch them swing and miss in a spectacular fashion. Like if you've ever been forced to watch a kid's sporting event, like, like baseball and a kid gets up to, to bat and he swings so wildly that he just spins around like a top and hits the ground. <laughs> and you're like, that's amazing. Like there's so much momentum going into his desire to hit this ball hard that he just fell on the ground in the most spectacular fashion. And I feel like that's what I'm watching here, but a space movie version of that. <laughs> You're a little more generous than I am, but, but, uh, <laughs> this is, this is one of those movies where you were coming into it completely cold, whereas I had watched it several times. So I've built up a, th- a theories about it in my mind that may or may not be true, but they are my own. These are the same things that, that led us to the, to movies like Hello, Mary Lou prom night too. Uh, they can't all be Mary Lou. That's the yeah. what we're gonna find along the way, and we're and but at least it's not a misstep on the scale of Black Xmas. Like that was a complete clusterfuck. Oh yeah, and I mean there is there is aspects of this that are entertaining. Like again, I I I find Robert Englund's performance to be to be charming because he's kind of a doofus. And yet he is the only character that survives to the end of the movie, which is, <laughs> which is remarkable. It really is. I, I The fact that they have two survivors is kind of wild, but they're both the ones who've conquered, as it were, their fears and made the realization that fear is even involved. 
Um, <laughs> okay, right. Let's let's get into it because I have a theory about our our main protagonist, Cabrin, that will be illustrated as we go. <laughs> So previously on Galaxy of Terror, uh, we witnessed a man getting killed by a washing machine ghost, uh, a space captain stroke her navigation console like she was trying to coerce it into giving her a jackpot and the first American <laughs> hentai movie. But what everyone wants to know is who's still left alive in Galaxy of Terror? Well, the way to do that is do a quick body count. Let's start with, of course, Robert England playing Ranger at his pre-Freddy uh, finest. Uh, and we also learned that he can't operate a chair, but can operate on a dead body. So that he's got that going for him. Uh, then we have uh, Trantor. She's the ship's captain who tragically lost her entire crew uh, in a deadly battle at Nacho Libre. So <laughs> I got that right, right? Yes, you got that right. Okay. Right. Uh, we also have uh, Cabrin, a cool-headed space veteran, portrayed as only the son of Eddie Albert Can. Almost competently. We also have Aluma, played by Erin Moran, who took on this role as a sci-fi empath to shed her image as America's little sister by playing a spaceship crew's little sister. Of course, I have spelled Lil the correct way in my notes. L-I-D-D-L-E hyphen. Yes? <laughs> Perfect. Oh. Chef's kiss. <laughs> uh, then we have Balon, the guy who obviously should be in charge because he's so very angry that he's not in charge. It just makes sense. And last, but certainly not least, is Ray Walston as Mr. Space Hand. Uh, <laughs> Space Mr. Hand uh, was filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> I did expect him to ask at some point if any of them were on dope. <laughs> it's a legitimate question because I can tell you this. This movie is much better when you are high. It, uh, <laughs> that might have just, been my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go out there and say it. Um, we return to the action where it is revealed that Kor, the ship's cook, is wearing a metallic apron because future. Uh, he and Ranger discover that Captain Tranton is no longer at the uh, ship's helm. And Ranger discovers that someone is firing the rear cannons, which is bad for reasons. And uh, Kor disappears only to later surprise him with a Mr. Hand Chop, uh, <laughs> which, as we noted earlier, is manages to knock him out completely for reasons we cannot quite understand. I mean, he's, he's fine like two minutes later. He, he's just like getting up and running around again. Yeah, it uh, would have been more helpful if he just kind of like slammed him up against the, the bulkhead or something. But I don't know. It's a movie. It's a movie that takes place in outer space with, you know, a giant rape worm. What are you going to do, people? It's not meant to be realistic. We are then treated when uh, Ranger does wait. Oh, no, wait a second. Core is the one who finds uh, Grace Zabrinsky and she's firing against some kind of space brain. Um, in, in a, a, is, is that what she's doing? I thought she was playing some kind of game. You know, she's firing real cannons against her her imagined fear, which is this enemy that killed all of all of her previous crew. That that's what that enemy supposedly looks like. It's a bunch of uncooked loaves of bread. The 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 crew that died at a uh, at, at Taco Bell Crunch Wrap. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's what I said. Got it. 
Yes. Um, and during, so Cora's like, hey, um, what you see, you know, this is an illusion. There's no one out there. See. And for some reason, I think he's the the goal here with this scene, I think, is for Cora to try to get Tranton to realize not to fall prey to her fears because she has displayed fearlessness in the past. And he would like her to actually not succumb to her fear. That's what I'm a little unclear on. What is his motivation here? Ultimately, to find the individual who's so past their own fear that they can take his role as planet master. Okay, so it's he just wants to like the he matrix. He wants to retire to like a nice, like, you know, senior community in, in, in space, Florida or something. Correct? That's right. Uh, uh, someplace in Florida for ex planet masters who are still active in their later years. <laughs> yeah. Play a little handball, you know, do some square dancing. Yeah. Like to get in a bocce ball league and uh, do some bingo on a Friday night, you know, shit like that. You know, find Sounds some great. cocoons in a pool and uh, start break dancing. You know what seniors do. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Oh, I cannot wait. Uh, we I uh, happened to be recording this from Texas, uh, and I passed the other day a new construction site for a, a new home for active seniors, 55 and over. And I'm like, oh. We're almost, we're almost there, man. We're almost we, there. Well, uh, <laughs> that is within a decade, and I'm not cool with that but are you, at all. But are you at but are you active? I don't know if I'm active enough. I might have to get more active to qualify. That makes me wonder if I would have what it takes. Uh, and that makes me think that you're, there's some sort of fame-like audition where everyone auditions to be active enough to qualify as an active senior. Do you have what it takes to get into Shady Acres? Well, I'll tell you what it takes. Sweat. Hard work. <laughs> Other parts of that monologue from fame that I don't remember. Let's start taking those country line dancing lessons now while you, while, you, while you still can. The last time I took dance lessons was in anticipation of my wedding to my beautiful wife, Becky. And uh, she managed to find us some dance teachers who would teach us to do a tango to a song for our first dance. And they were very lovely people. Uh, she had very tall hair. Uh, she was about five about five feet tall, but her, her hair came up to my, the top of my head. So it's the full foot of hair. And then he had a single nostril. (laughs) (laughs) And like from like excessive cocaine use or something. I don't, I don't know its source. And it's, it's one of those things that's hard to ask about. So tell me about you're down to one nostril. How'd that happen? Cowboy. (laughs) It's a a rough one to bring up in casual conversation, but Becky had to look straight into that when learning her part of the dance. So I think I had it much easier. So where, what the fuck were we talking about? Active seniors, Grace So Core is desperate to get Trantor in some way to recognize the fact that she is responding to her fears and not to something real. She almost gets there and then she relapses, but not until she hands her own little Irene Ryan competition monologue about how she almost saved the day at Costas Gravis. 
I said that. Right? <laughs> yep, you, you just keep remembering. Great job. <laughs> okay, because that's that's what I meant to say. And during this, she makes a lot of extraneous mouth movements. It's it's like a dance. All of her all oh, of the was, parts she, of her yeah, lips have independent movements. She she's absolutely preparing to 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 play uh, Sarah Palmer in, in Twin Peaks. <laughs> Uh, if they saw this, they're like, that's my girl. Let's bring her in. Just make her an offer. She doesn't have to audition because there is a serious amount of crazy happening underneath her skin at all times. Yeah. I mean, she looks like she has a bag of snakes crawling under there. She ends up grabbing the largest prop gun I've ever seen. It looks like three bazookas strapped to one another with a with a vacuum hose at the end of it. And she takes off running for parts unknown. Ranger finally wakes up and comes and finds Core in the empty gun room. It's like, where'd she go? He starts flipping switches because this movie loves flipping switches and finds a video of her in the airlock where we see Tranton just go up in a full Steve from Hereditary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is charbroiled. Uh, she is tender. Uh, you can cut her with a fork at the end of that. Also, something I noticed here, and I was going to bounce it off of you. The soundtrack this movie sounds like it was written and played by Keyboard Cat. It's just <laughs> yes. through pause. <laughs> Over and over and over again. I just feel like they could have stepped up in the soundtrack area. Well, you but know, that, when you've got like when you've got like you know killer killer vines and 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 rape worms. I mean, you know, you can uh, you can cut some quarters somewhere. <laughs> That's right. All of all of the music budget was uh, focused on vine work. So uh, Ranger runs to the rescue, only to find Tranton has become the finest pit barbecue the side of Austin, Texas. R.I.P.D. Tranton, which always sounds like Tauntaun, the beast that uh, Han has to cut open and stuff Luke into and Empire Strikes Back. I do love that when Ranger finds her, he does that little prissy, like putting his fist in his mouth, like, <laughs> there was some that's great- not what I expected when I saw someone <laughs> light themselves on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did mention before that there's some great like male reactions to horrifying things in this, in this movie. <laughs> you've either got like, you know, shrill lady screaming or you've got a little bit of like, <laughs> oh, uh, was he hoping that she kind of had a wily e. coyote thing where it was just kind of black suit? She's just smoking yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a little sign that says yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the ship's mess uh, where we got a family meeting going on. It's time to decide. We either go back inside that pyramid's butthole and stop this signal that's keeping us on this killer planet or die one at a time for reasons. And this scene is best typified by Aaron Moran's character because she goes from, there's no way in hell I'm going back inside that thing to, well, I'm not staying on the ship alone within 15 seconds. I know because I timed it. <laughs> yeah. And she's kind of got that bug eyed sort of, you know, I'm really scared look going on at this point. Oh. She got, she makes, a, she, she's no Grace Zabriskie. I will say that. <laughs> 
but she makes some really good facial expressions from like this point on. Oh, I have some freeze frames that I will be sharing at some point of how wide her eyes get. At one point, I'm pretty sure you can see brain. That's how wide her <laughs> eyes get. Like cartoon wolves aren't that eye-centric yeah, about their reactions. They're about to come out on springs. <laughs> uh, so once... Deep inside that pyramid, but Ranger starts sweating heavily and tries to communicate to Cabrin his suspicions about Kor, and then Balon can't decide which leg is the bad one. He shifts the hitch in his giddy-up twice in one scene alone. Just like tie a rubber band to one leg or something. Decide ahead of time which leg is the bad one and stick with it. Oh, it's no wonder he quit acting and directed softcore porn. Well, you know, you, you, you know your limits, you know your talents. That family meeting scene is so wild because everyone goes from thinking that Cavern is the bee's knees, just the best man on earth, but they kind of start going over to Balon's side where they're like, fuck you, fuck you and all of your, you're not big man on the galaxy. You're nothing but a mustache. And he's kind of like. I was going to say, I was going to say, fuck you and fuck your mustache, Magnum. (laughs) The seams begin to show. No one is starting to trust one another. The pyramid is driving them insane. And at one point, Balon just starts shooting at shadows. And then he gets yelled at by Freddy Krueger. And no one is having a good time inside the space pyramid at all. But I will say, can you think of another small budget movie that has many, this many different sets built for it? Like every part of this pyramid looks different than the last part. I just can't think of another movie of this sort of Corman era that has all of these fucking sets. Yeah, the, the sets are the sets are pretty good. I mean, they they it seem it does seem like when I write about movies and television a lot, I, I will often make mention about how they spent a lot of money in one area at the cost of you know a script, characters, dialogue, you know, what have you. But yeah, they definitely put about 75% of the budget into in into these sets. I will defend the characters because you can tell the difference between Balon and Ranger and Cabrin. They're distinct people. They're, they don't have the same motivations. They don't act the same. You don't feel like they're all the writer's voice just divvied up amongst eight different people. Like, people are making choices on screen here for good or for bad, but they're all decided, you know what? I'm going to limp and say fuck you to everyone and it works or i'm going to be silent and just karate chop you and put my fist up that's a choice and it's the choice that i like well that's what i feel like that they that these actors got like pages and pages of character development and you know created these characters and then you know they go to watch it at the at the big premiere at you know the you know Grauman's Chinese theater and none of that ended up on the screen <laughs> it does kind of translate in the margins though think about all of the indistinct characters 
in Jason X. Like you can barely tell those people apart outside of their outfits. They all sound like the writers divvied up. And here, that's not really true. You can want more, you can want different, but they're actually delivering something distinct. <laughs> I am like not a, convincing like, you. <laughs> like I said, you're 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 a little more generous than than, than I am. Maybe I maybe I do need to watch it a few more times to to really appreciate it. I have the feeling you're not going to watch it a few more times. <laughs> and all right, so they all hate one another. Uh, Aaron Moran stops in the middle of a tunnel slide like that a-hole Jimmy from third grade. <laughs> and you end up bashing into him and knocking heads. The noise that their butts make when they slide down these tunnels sound like the Smurfs when they ice skate. <laughs> Yeah, the the sound design in 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 this movie, if you particularly if you watch it with headphones, is is squishy and squeaky. It just all sounds like the Hanna Barbera cartoon library, and I'm sure that was what was available to them, you know. And that makes you appreciate a movie like Alien so much more because it's just uh this is uh well aliens is just like this like low machinery rumble with occasional ominous drips of water and that just seems to be like like so much more tension building whereas here it's like squeak squish squeak squish <laughs> yeah it they're uh it, it and they're mixed so odd <laughs> again the budget on this was not particularly high. So where, where it falls short, it falls quite short, but then you have that incredible matte painting of where Balon gets attacked of this inner pyramid versus the outer crust. And you're like, fuck, that's straight up THX one, one, three, eight territory. Like that's really good looking. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, the phrase they made choices is accurate to, to apply this. I think that's both with the actors and with the production design and with the directing and with the editing yeah, choices were made. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of them made sense, but yeah. let's let's talk about one that doesn't quite reach the plateau that we want it to, and that is Balon, who is being stalked by a hand puppet shadow for a good portion <laughs> of this movie, and, and eventually he is is attacked by a monster that sort of looks like Give Uncle Scrotor a hug from uh, this <laughs> island Earth. Yes, uh, I mean when it's the hand puppet. I was like, oh, it's Kermit the Xenomorph here because it literally <laughs> looks like someone doing the hand puppet out of his shadow, which in concept sounds like, well, there's a really cool low budget version to make a cool effect. It's just it would help if it wasn't a dude's hand. I mean, let's just put a sock on your hand or something to to make it look less like a hand. <laughs> Also talking about, uh, you know, hands that don't quite reach the level that we want them to. At one point, he's stalked by a pair of turkey claws that uh, come up the underside of the bridge that they're on. And again, here, here's my question. What does that represent for his fear? Is he afraid of turkeys? Is, I, is, he, af is he afraid of the, the Metaluna monster? 
I mean, you're not wrong. I think in con, if I were to project on him, what I think is happening is that he is shooting at shadows. He's convinced that he's always be he's always in a firefight, even when one isn't occurring, and therefore it, it you know manifests in this sort of pumpkin head, but it's more of like a calabash squash head. <laughs> yes, that has glowy eyes. Like- but why does it look like that, though? Am I being am I being too literal uh, about this? See, I, again, I, I you know I I keep using the phrase space Pennywise, and and I'm thinking of how particularly in the book of it, like mm-hmm. you know you had kids who were afraid of um like say for instance the creature from the Black Lagoon, and the creature from the Black Lagoon came out of a lagoon and killed a kid. I mean that was like a literal. I mean it just seems very if they're trying to go for some sort of symbolism it's not working and, yeah. and i feel like that if they if they if they were to go for symbolism you know he should have been he, he should have been attacked by a tiny penis yeah. <laughs> a tiny penis that might have been stomped on a little bit it's um it's not the end of the penis imagery in this portion of the movie congratulations everyone we made it I agree. If all of the fears, they set them up to have distinct characters with distinct fears. And sometimes like with Kuod and his love of the crystals, and then he's killed by the thing he loves that while not executed, well, makes sense. Here, like Ranger, your Ranger being afraid of himself. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's clever. I I will Mm -hmm. say that is clever. And I mean, the, the, the way it is executed is kind of silly, but but the you know the concept is clever. Yes, um, I believe at one point in the fight between himself and himself, he duels with the butt of his working gun against a knife. How does that work? You have a working gun. I know that it's not quite as effective as you want it to be, but it's a terrible saber. I'll tell you that right now. Don't. <laughs> Don't knife fight with the butt of your gun, and he kind of does for ten seconds. It's, I mean, uh, I do, you know, in 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 part, in you know, in keeping with the whole, you know, did, did this movie actually inspire, you know, other better movies? I, I did get a little touch of Army of Darkness because he kind of like his bad self kind of does this little, you know, smirking at him, mm-hmm. which is, you know, again, you know, a very iconic scene in, in Army of Darkness where he does the whole giddy little two-shoes, giddy little two-shoes. And, <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, he's taunting him. And, and you know, but, but in this one, he just, you could see a little bit of the Freddy Krueger coming out. Yes, because he's, can, he's, yeah. he's smirking. He's kind of doing the Kubrick stare sort of thing. And, and, you know, as if, you know, well, the audience might not know which one of them is the bad one. So we can't stick a mustache on him because that won't make any sense. So we'll, no, just have make, we'll just have him make these kind of clownishly evil faces at him. Yeah, he they, he's underlit and he, you know, they emphasize the sort of bags under his eyes. And he does approximate that sort of Freddy hunch of his shoulders here. So we kind of get a proto look. He's, how he's workshopping. He yeah. <laughs> in essence, he's like, how do I portray an evil character? And he's like, well, what if I kind of do this with my shoulders? And he probably referenced back to that thinking, no one on God's green earth will watch both these movies. <laughs> <laughs> Except us. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's wrong now, Robert England? 
Um, <laughs> so all the while Balon is outside, he's been trapped outside because uh, Kor has been fucking with this door with a wall vagina. <laughs> <laughs> where he sticks his hand in and he does something and it opens and it closes. And they're like, let's try to complete the lines in this triangle. And you're like, well, how does that, Th- these are ideas. They're just, they just don't all add up necessarily. Anyways, they trap him outside and a turkey rips open his stomach. And then he falls off the bridge because there's no railings on that bridge. It is a clear safety violation and someone should contact space OSHA immediately. Yeah. They should complain to the same people that assigned a, 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 you know, a woman who has issues with, with being in small spaces to do space travel. Cause that <laughs> seems like that, that seems like you're in the wrong line of work if you don't like being in in tight small spaces to be you know working in outer space she's been hired for her empath uh, abilities or her size sensitive abilities and not so much for her desire to always live in uh, wild abandoned outdoor spaces this is this is where the what the fuck was your plan planet master kind of comes into force because like how does this help she has a phobia about tight spaces. That's different than I'm afraid that the space aliens I barely survived before in this giant space fight will come back and get me this time. Like that's a legit earned fear. A phobia is a fear you cannot really control because it's part of your lizard brain. And the point of one of the points of this movie is kind of like, well, get out over it or your phobia is going to kill you in real life. And I don't think that's a great lesson to learn. So, you know, if this was like 20 years later, would he be hosting like Fear Factor? Oh, absolutely. Fear Factor with core. That would be and like lower, you know, lowering people into like, you know, a tank full of maggots and all. <laughs> yeah. We're going to roll this car with you inside of it um, while you hold on to these crystal daggers. Try not to stab yourself. <laughs> uh, now that that Balon is dead uh, and Aaron Moran is flipping the fuck out, Ranger starts <laughs> starts mouthing off to Cabrin and Cabrin says, Stay close. We can't afford to get separated. Like he's begging his mom to go hit up the drive-thru at McDonald's. It's like, come on, stay together. Please. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of the point of the movie. It's just like many of the points of the movie. It doesn't know how to drive them home. Cabrin is the most empathetic of everyone on board. So he's the one who personally connects with all these people, or at least attempts to. With Balon, he's like, Balon's like, I'm in charge, you're not in charge. He's like, okay, you're in charge. <laughs> and then when yeah, Balon is in he charge, he never it, challenges that. Yeah, there's no conflict. I don't, are we ever actually even shown what he is afraid of, if anything? I think that Cabrin's big man on campus in space. It, that seems to be Ranger's thing that when he starts to get angry with him, it's kind of like, stop being Mr. Nice Guy. Stop being Mr. Perfect. Stop listening. Stop thinking of other people other than yourself first. And he's kind of like, you know what? I'm here for you, man. <laughs> it's like, I think it's it's perhaps he's too full of empathy. He's almost like Jesus, but with a really sweet stash. And at, that <laughs> probably grates people at some point. 
And we see that reflected here, but it, it doesn't necessarily lead anyone to their own death, their own fears or their own misdeeds or their own, you know, whatever ends up getting them in the end. It's really not. Cameron tries. He tries. <laughs> and I guess I kind of like that about it, but I can see why it pisses people off. Yeah, I mean, even after, like, Ranger mouths off at him, you know, Cameron's all, like, putting his head on him and, like, being very, you know, men's encounter, like, it's okay, yeah. buddy. Ron Tyler, <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's a very new age sensitive man. He definitely earned that mustache. Yeah, he's definitely has. He's a very Alan Alda era leading man. Yeah, I mean, if he's, when he's not in space, he probably owns a few dashikis. <laughs> Yeah, this this movie has so many two-person unspoken moments in it where two people just look at each other like, hey, man, it, you know, I'm with you. <laughs> and that's kind of the parts I like is that there's attempts at developing human emotion into these characters, even if it doesn't really result in very much. It is genuinely trying even if it isn't genuinely achieving results yeah i mean it's you know you're you're not wrong I, they're, they're trying to to you know, create a sense of history with these characters it's just so poorly edited that it just it doesn't really amount to anything now it does make me think how i have read interpretations of alien in which oh well ripley and dallas are clearly sleeping together and it's like Meh? they are <laughs> Okay, if you say so. I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, I saw, I, I, I've seen Alien a fair amount of times. I've, I've even seen it with that thought in mind that, oh, okay, I misses it. No, I, I did not get that. I mean, and I think that I'm pretty good at, at reading people and and reading situations. I'm like, no, I, I, I don't get that. I mean, I, I guess they could have been. Please, yeah, I don't, I don't know that the. The, the, you know, that this is coming through, you know, the obvious, you know, you know, chemistry and, 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 and body language between the two of them. It's like, I know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's coming through their performance or their body language or their relation to one another, which is why I think they cut the scene where she's talking to, oh, now I can't remember her name, who's. The, the other woman on board. Veronica, Veronica Cartwright Veronica, is the, Veronica actor, Cartwright. As the actress. Yeah. My apologies. There's a cut scene of her talking to Veronica Cartwright was where she's like, well, you've, you slept with Dallas, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, did you sleep with anyone else? And she's like, well, yeah. And she's like, you don't have to tell me who, but did you sleep with Ash? And she's like, no. <laughs> and that's the, one of the clues to help her figure out, well, if no one slept with Ash, that maybe he's not, she gets, starts to get the sinking suspicion that he's not on the up and up. Like he's here for another reason. She doesn't know he's a robot and that's why he's not sleeping with anybody, but it, it strikes her as odd. He's disconnected from emotionally. He's disconnected sexually and everyone else is kind of sleeping with one. Another. Like it's a, a rolling fuck train. Like it's because not only are they space truckers, but it's a, a floating space truck stop. 
So, <laughs> but I agree. It's not something that is seen in the rest of the movie. And I think they cut that scene because they're like, well, that's going to come out of fucking nowhere. No one's going to get that because there's no other scene in the movie to back it up. So. Right. Like, and, and that's what something that happens here, like with, uh, um, what was what's Edward Albert's character's name again? A uh, cavern. Cat with Cabrin and uh, and um, Iluma, his Aaron Moran's character. Yeah, they the movie can't decide if he has a sort of brotherly feeling towards her or if they're kind of falling a little bit in love with each other, and and it, and it's weird. It, it goes back and forth, and you know it doesn't help that she looks like she's about maybe eighteen. <laughs> I don't know how old she actually was, but she's a little too young to be playing this kind of character. And and you know, and he's probably in his thirties, I guess. I mean, he's you know, he's not excessively older than her, but but their 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 body language and the way he acts towards her initially is very you know big brother little sister yes and at the end they're all like he's all feeling her touching her face and they're all like you know staring deeply into each other's eyes and it's like yeah what's happening here yeah and there's a real don't stand so close to me situation yeah and it's like you know it's like did you decide abruptly you know halfway through the script well no actually no we're gonna have to develop a romance instead well okay but you should go back and you know correct everything so (laughs) that 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 so it's you know it, it feels a little less incestuous. Yeah. 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 I, again, like it's, it's attempting to have all these levels to them and they put some of the work in, but they don't connect all the dots. So the picture ends up looking slightly incomplete, not uninteresting, just incomplete. Speaking of incomplete pictures, uh, let's go back to that portion of the cave with the wall vaginas. Cora has disappeared, and they've decided that if they connect these three lines of a PlayStation button symbol, that they'll be able to move to a different <laughs> section of the base. <laughs> um, and then they all walk through at different times and end up in different sections of a, a crazy maze. Uh, where every plane of every pane of plexiglass appears to have been painted by the Joker, and recently, uh, <laughs> this leads to another attack from behind by Rangers tethered, and they uh, grimace at each other for a little too long. But then they end up in that uh, knife versus the butt of a working laser pistol fight, <laughs> and uh, finally, they one gets the upper hand. The good one gets the upper hand. And he kind of shoots the other one a couple times, and his his doppelganger is kind of like, "Oh man, he's not afraid of me no more." <laughs> yeah, he just kind of skulks away, doesn't he? Yeah, he fades. He fades away like that gif of that guy who gives the peace symbol and then disappears. Just like <laughs> ghost, I'm out. And so he is like, I was fighting my fear. I was fighting myself. <laughs> and the next time he sees Cabern, he's so proud of himself. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that he's the only one that figures out what's going on because, again, he's kind of an idiot. He is, but he, I think he, that he, works he, to his he, advantage here. You know, he, this is a character who, at the beginning of the movie, could not figure out how to work his seatbelt. <laughs> he had to be held in place with a woman's legs. That's... <laughs> Because <laughs> he seatbelts were too complicated, but he's also operating on dead bodies. It's wild. He's also the he's also he's the ship's navigator and the ship's coroner. <laughs> he, he is he, he is the ship's navigator and the ship's Quincy. He's a man of many space hats. <laughs> 
Uh, and yet also, also kind of an idiot. <laughs> you know what? Just because you're smart in one area, like, <laughs> you know, discerning how someone died after the fact. Like mapping, mapping out a course for an entire spaceship to go. Through the stars, it doesn't mean that you're super smart in other areas. Like every, it doesn't know that you. We should expect you to know how to work a seatbelt. Yeah, I'm a professional writer, but sometimes I don't spell so good. See, like, like but do you? But do you know how to work a seatbelt? Most, I'd say, good eighty five percent of the time. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I just wrap airplane. it around my forearm, and Becky's like, "Again?" I'm like, "I know." Sometimes what are you those airplanes. Do? Sometimes those airplane seatbelts get me a little bit. <laughs> well, though, though, but those are so complicated because there's two of them and, uh, and they get flipped around and sometimes you grab uh, two ladies or two men. That's what you call parts of seatbelts, right? <laughs> ladies and men. Yeah, sure. Ladies and men, gents <laughs> and lasses. If you want to be old timey. <laughs> That's right. One, one of the seatbelts ha- is the silhouette of a, of a man and the other one has a dress and that's how you know it's a woman. <laughs> Isn't it a shame we didn't have a guest for tonight? People <laughs> <laughs> were like, oh my God, they got to bring back guests. Jesus Christ. So this brings us to Aaron Moran, who stares into yet another of this pyramid's buttholes and it's like, Am I going to go inside this butt? I can go inside this butt. Let me get inside this butt. I can do this butt. This butt will be mine. I own this butt. She talks herself into it. And there's Cabron on the outside of a plexiglass go, no, no, you can't just go straight in. You got to, you got to be gentle, maybe lube, but no, <laughs> she goes in. <laughs> and go on. <laughs> and it turns out though. We've been wrong about this pyramid's butt because it turns out she goes inside of a penis. That's right. She goes inside of a shaft surrounded by veins. Everything, <laughs> everything is tight inside this penis. Aaron, I was going to say, well, that is face. that I, I believe that is the most narrow part of of, of at least a, a, the male body. So yeah, it's it's real tight up in there. Everything's tight. Her face, her pants. And the confines. And then she is caught in the grasp of these veins. They begin to constrict her, starting with her legs, which break, then across her midsection, which splits open. And finally, it explodes her head, which is fucking awesome. This is the moment (laughs) where I totally fell in love with this movie the first time I saw it. I'm like, no one told me there would be exploding heads. That's fucking awesome. Let alone that it, that it would be a cupcake from Happy Days. <laughs> That's absolutely right. You just don't see it coming. I love that death. Uh, I don't necessarily love this character, but I do love that death. It's pretty good. It is. And it ties into her actual fear. Although it's a phobia, we've been down that road. Uh, whatever. What are you going to do? It can't be perfect, but it can be Galaxy of Terror. Uh, so Cameron finds remains and is, of course heartbroken that his wife girlfriend lady sister is dead (laughs) but also it kind of looks like he left the coffee maker on it's hard to tell he just looks in deep thought about something yeah and of course and then ranger shows up and does another one of those like just you know you know the bearer's little gasp oh oopsie that's gonna be bad and then he and then in solidarity he puts his fist on top of cabern's shoulder like 
Like you foul balled this one, buddy, but you know, next time you'll go out and get him. <laughs> and that seems to bring him around. <laughs> I'll find another heir in Moran, I guess. And then he goes, Oh, it was my fears. My fears did this to me. And they're like, all right, then we got to find core. And then they go into a very, another giant matte painting by James Cameron. This one looks like uh, a hubcap or a bike lock. Maybe both, but they also have Mario World stairs that only appear when you step on them, like he's ascending into a Billie Jean video. (laughs) (laughs) The most dangerous Billie Jean video of all. And Coors is like, come and get me, cowboy. And so uh, Ranger's like, you know what? I got stabbed in the arm. You go ahead. (laughs) So, so he does and he just leaves them there and we never see Ranger again. Like never. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is victorious. Yeah. yeah so, so sometimes, sometimes the doofus makes it to the end. I think it is his grand stupidity that helped him uh, conquer his fears. Uh, but when Cameron finally gets up those stairs, he finds core in uh, a chamber, uh, sort of like chilling before hot yoga, I guess is the attitude we're getting here. Hold on to your hat, Gina, because this is going to be a real surprise. And I hate to spoil it for everyone in the audience, but core is actually the planet master. What? Yes, I know you didn't see it coming because they hit it so well and they lowered his voice and his face was all red and glowy. His face face looked like the inside of a hot pocket. You know, he, he, the planet master has known the whole time that he was going to put people through their worst fears, their own personal Jacob Tremblay. That's right. Right. I'm very amused by this joke, Gina. It's my fave. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. (laughs) Three is where I tap out. Um, Cameron has won the game, but he hasn't won the war. And that means he gets to, this is a real boss level here. Not only is he going to fight the planet master, but he's going to fight everyone else's fears. So right out the gate, Calabash Squash Head grabs him from behind. And he's like, oh, no. And he spins around and shoots him in the mouth. Bye-bye. And then out of nowhere, he Jimkatas over the rape worm. A full-on <laughs> fucking flip. But he's not out of the woods yet because rape worm gets him in his tentacles from behind. Gives him a left, a right, and one to the balls. <laughs> he manages to fend off the worm. But w- just wait. He's swapped. By the butt sucker arms that got that old man who sexually harassed his coworker, and that's where we get to hear that Shaggy is drinking a milkshake sound again. <laughs> it swaps, and he manages to shoot all of them. But Rape Worm isn't done. Action forward roll into position, and he fires a bunch of times at the worm. It kind of just stands there and sparks a little. I don't know. Let's call it a draw. But that's pretty much him fighting everyone else's fears. Uh, there's no other fears that, like, washing machine ghost does not make uh, an entrance here. Uh, the vines that killed Aaron Moran don't pop up. It's just. But she she appears, though. She's that. she is there for like a few minutes with her eyes just like like looking like marbles. 
<laughs> oh, I missed one. Uh, the cause, his millipede attacks from behind. And <laughs> uh, he does a Charlie's Angels flip and shoots the millipede into submission. Uh, and now from the center of the chamber, the angry master control from Tron becomes blue master control from Tron. And then Cameron is surrounded by his dead shipmates. We got Della, Della Reese and we got Cubert and uh, Tauntaun <laughs> and Bernard Bears, who's doing a really good Viv Savage impression from This Is Spinal Tap. <laughs> But wait, the Kaz and Balon are there too. It's like the Christmas Carol, but with more slime. Everyone is covered in slime. And that one lady, her shirt's all ripped. So we get to, to see her chesticles. Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering about that. <laughs> what were you wondering, Gina? Please enlighten I, me. I just wondering, like, at what point, like, like her boobs fell out of her shirt and, and, and you know, in the transition from, from life to death. <laughs> it hurt. Listen, she no longer is trapped by her fear of sexuality. And now she wears her sexuality openly. That's what we're seeing here is a woman unencumbered by the patriarchy's restrictive rules about what is proper. And now she's just letting them fly, baby. I mean, I, I guess that's a, a triumphant moment then. Yes. Oh, it's the most triumphant moment in the entire movie. Um, and so uh, my favorite part of this entire sequence is when Cameron and Kuhad, played by the late great Sid Haig, have a sword fight with their forearms. <laughs> Because Kuad only has one arm, and so they kind of have a karate fight, but he's limited. But again, he's having the, he's blocking all of these fight moves from Cameron with a single arm, like the Matrix. Mm. I'm serious. Those those ladies who made the Matrix totally saw this movie and said. We can do better than that. You want to have a meeting with a guy at the center of it all who says, I have a master plan and I manipulated you into taking over. Oh, the matrix. That's right. It's matrix 1.0, baby. <laughs> the pre-matrix. The pre-matrix. The pre-mix. Pre pre mix. <laughs> Premix. The premix. Yes, there we go. <laughs> oh boy. Uh and then Aaron Moraine comes back. Um and she can't stop saying Cabrin. <laughs> Cabrin? Cabrin. 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 Uh and she is defeated with the power of love. And <laughs> of laser course. guns. Yeah. <laughs> it's but a mostly punch. Mostly love. A little assist from laser guns, which I don't know how that works against ghosts, but eh, this whole thing's kind of wacky. And then only Cabrin and the Planet Master are left. And boy, Planet Master's really feeling his oats because he's like, oh, this was all my He's plan. very proud of himself. Oh, uh, I meant to do this. This is so awesome. And he's like, what if I don't want to do it? He's like, you already did it. I'm telling you, it's the matrix <laughs> and only i have this theory and it's so stupid and easily disqualified as a concept but i'm allowed to have it because dumb people get to have ideas and then of course the master stroke in this movie's arsenal 
cavern emits photon torpedoes, complete with the sound effect from Star Trek, from his chest. And this somehow defeats the planet master. How did Cabrin get the ability to emit photon torpedoes? How... How did how did that happen? Did he get that from Aaron Moran? Did he get it from Chesticle Lady? I mean, was he was he just walking around with these things strapped to his chest the whole time? Uh, did he always have them inside, but he needed this experience to bring it out? It's I have questions. But as we see, he destroys the Planet Master, and now the mustache has become the master. I would have loved it if just his mustache had started glowing red. <laughs> That would have been that would have been so perfect. It comes close because everything becomes Tron for a second, where just the outlines of them appear, and then it goes back to normal. And he's like, "I'm Planet Master, baby!" And then the whole pyramid turns blue, and we're out. That's everyone That's and everything that becomes is, Tron. That is literally it. I was like, I was like, okay, and oh, oh those are the credits. <laughs> nope, just. Slant. What are the repercussions of this? What does this all mean? Fuck it. We're done. We we tried hard enough, everyone. It's time time for you. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay in Galaxy of Terror. <laughs> so that brings us, uh, of course, to everyone's favorite part of the galaxy. It's choose your own death venture time. And up for bid today are burnt alive for reasons. Uh, you having your guts ripped out and tossed off a bridge? How about getting crushed to death uh, inside of a penis? Uh, <laughs> or have uh, laser photons uh, from a guy with a mustache shoot you to death? Kinda. Uh, so, as always, as my co-host and my trusted friend in this kill-by-kill adventure, I turn to you, Gina. For your answer first. You know, getting crushed inside a penis is just so, so Freudian that I, yeah. I can't even ponder that one. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the boring way. I'm going to get shot by photons. Because, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, at, at least at least my my plan was a success. And, yeah. and I could ascend to either space heaven or space hell. And, you know, knowing that that everything worked out exactly the way I wanted it to. <laughs> Or you know, I might just end up going to that 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 you know that space senior senior living center. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to go with space photons because everyone else turns into a crazy ghost. So there's no way I want to do that. Fuck that noise. Uh, what if yeah, I, I don't want to come back? No, I come back and like try to lovey dovey convince Cabrin not to kill me. Ugh, fuck that noise. I'm getting shot by space photons the way I've always wanted to die. <laughs> Some people want to go in their sleep. Me, space photons, baby, all the way. That's Galaxy of Terror. That is, that's it. Any final thoughts about the galaxy or the terror? I, I It's up to you. <laughs> or of. <laughs> um, we all know your well, thoughts like about of, Gina. You've, you've never been quiet about that. This was my, my, my first watch. I don't know how I let it get past me before. <laughs> I... You know, I, 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 I can see where you're coming from. There are seeds of interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And and I, I will absolutely uh, um, buy the idea that other filmmakers saw this and you know, took little bits and pieces here and there and, and made them better and, and you know, more cohesive and less rapey. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, the... I don't want to say that that part of it didn't bother me. It just it was just so absurd mm-hmm. and 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 
I don't know. I, I, I would I would love to be at, at where you are with this movie, but I'm not quite there. As I've often said, it's impossible to argue or debate someone into liking a movie they hate or 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 hating a movie they love. It's an emotional reaction. And when I watch this movie for the first time, I'm like, how the fuck did I miss this? This is so crazy. It's so wild in parts. It is so chock full of ideas. It misses so hard in parts. And, you know, outside of the occasional worm rape, like, I really enjoy watching it. This is a super other fun than, watch. Other than that. <laughs> I mean, either other than the most memorable part that I could very easily excise from the entire thing, but it is of its time. And it's, it's one of those things that I, I, I genuinely like it much more than the two ripoffs that they filmed on weekends when they weren't filming this. Those are. Wait, there were ripoffs of this. Yeah. Uh, Mutant and forbidden world are two. Oh, no, see, I think I see, I think I see mutant. Yeah. They they like primarily take place in the lab, which is really where the family meeting of this takes place. Only they blew out one of the walls and and made it twice as large. But it's the same fucking set. It's it's just, it, it's an interest, it's interesting to me because there are probably a half dozen other ways you could have illustrated that that character had a fear for her own sexuality. But it, it's a good. It's a good illustration of the time period this movie was made in, where it's like, wait, how long has this movie been on? What, Forty minutes? Well, fuck, we need some, we need some tits. You know? <laughs> like, we 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 need we need a woman to get naked right now. It's where the I mean, Corman of it just jumps. Yeah, out. put her put her in a in a in a in a shower something. We this movie is halfway over and we don't have any nudity. Yeah, and to think that. Alien was almost a Corman movie. Like he said, I like the script a lot and I would buy it in a hot second, but you need a lot more money than I would ever be able to give you to actually make it shop it around town. And if no one buys it, you can make it here. And then Fox and Brandywine bought it. But alien almost happened at Corman's studio. James Cameron could have been making sets for alien is the wild fucking thing and they ended up making this instead as a reaction to how well alien did well it's just you know it gives you a good compare and contrast over how uh you know, alien has a, a a weird sort of you know sexual and invasive vibe to it but without actually you know like the if you want to call it rape scene between ash and ripley it's so unsettling because he kind of knows what he's doing but not at the same time Mm -hmm. and it's really weird and creepy whereas here is a big you know worm puppet just squish 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 and squish and (laughs) a naked woman's body and it's like you know this is someone's fetish (laughs) and you know and you know that the that the you know, Corman was thinking someone's going to get turned on by this, <laughs> whereas in whereas in Alien, it's like, oh, this is really disturbing mm-hmm. because because you know here is a robot that understands what rape is but doesn't know how to do it. 
Yeah. And 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 but it's like it's bad enough that he has that idea planted in him somewhere that he knows what this is. And and I mean it took me a couple of viewings, you know, you know, and well into my late teens, but I'm like, oh, oh, that's what he's doing to her. Okay. I thought he was just, you know, trying to suffocate her. No, he thinks he's raping her. Yeah. And and you know, and that's a lot more unsettling than, you know, a big goo worm just, you know, rubbing itself up with a naked lady. <laughs> Yeah, uh, someday we'll end up having to, t- not having, like it's a chore. We'll talk about Alien in some way, shape, or form, because uh, it's just, it's so rich. All of its ideas are there, and they're so well hinted at. You know, it's both on the surface and under the surface. It's it's just that delicate balance of all the right things happening at all the right times. Like if Walter Hill had directed that movie, it would not be alien as we know it. It just wouldn't be. If it had been a Corman movie, it wouldn't be alien as we knew it. So you need all of those misfires and mistakes and people saying no and misfortunes and Fox not believing in H.R. Giger. You need all that shit to happen in order for Alien to become Alien. Whereas with Galaxy of Terror, what's holding them back is like our imagination wants to do all these things and we only have the budget to do seven of them. And... (laughs) They try. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. They may not have exactly chosen wisely. Well, it looks good and it doesn't belabor its point. It doesn't stick around too long. Like it's it's over and done in less than 90 minutes. Like it it moves. It might move a tad too fast. It might have needed four more minutes of character development here and there. But uh, you know, as far as attempts go, it probably my favorite rip off of alien uh, by a country mile. <laughs> All right. I, I will, I will, I will give you that. Yeah. Uh, and so that just about does it. Um, Gina, before we get any further, uh, why don't you tell us what's happening on the Patreon part uh, where people give of themselves unto us. So we don't have to pay to goof on galaxy of terror. Uh, they, they, they foot the bill for us and we love them for it. Well, things are a little slow right now, uh, which you all should should get on this pretty soon because our next episode is going to be about a movie that is near and dear to both of us, and that is the remake of The Blob. Yes, nineteen eighty eight. Chuck I am, Russell. I am I am very excited to talk about it. And and you know, while the while the movies that neither of us like are always entertaining, I like to think that the movies we both love are the, the episodes about those are much more entertaining because we so sound like a couple we have we we both sound like a couple of little kids on Christmas morning. <laughs> Man, we are gonna talk all about that guy's haircut and how it almost ruins the movie and how it's really just Shawnee Smith's uh movie. The whole thing is about Shawnee Smith, and I don't know why she doesn't have top billing because she's the best thing in it, and I love and how, every and, component and, of it. And and how and how unlike Jason, the blob gives us gives no fucks about killing little kids. <laughs> no, he does not. Uh, that movie is hardcore, and I love every. It's just oh, every part of it's so cool, with the exception of that haircut. Oh my God, just the worst. Okay, Uh, you know the other part that seems to have stalled out for us despite us being in the top 20 now of movie histories on iTunes is our iTunes reviews. They seem to have topped out 
And I I know every podcast asks you to write a review and you think, I'll do it one day. Please do it today. <laughs> do it tomorrow. Do it soon. Um, the more reviews we have, the higher our ranking gets and the more we will be seen by other people. So if you love the show, if you listen to the show and you and you really like it, Please review us on whatever podcast app you have. If you happen to have access to Apple Podcasts, please review us there. Um, With this new delineation system, we have the ability to maybe carve out a space for ourselves within movie histories, but we can't just do it with downloads alone. We, We also need the component of new reviews. So please don't let the one person who gave us two stars be the last person to give us a review. <laughs> give oh, us no. a, uh, one person, one person gave us two. St- Listen, if we don't, if we don't have some people who hate us, uh, we're not doing that good of a job. Uh, we want you to violently hate, uh, not violently hate us. We want you to violently love us uh, and rate us on iTunes highly. That would be great. Gina, where can people follow you in these here internets? I write about movies and old television at my own website at GinaRadcliffe.com. I am also a writer for The Spool. That's thespool.net. And you can follow me on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at KillByKillPod, Instagram at KillByKillPodcast, and Facebook. We have the page, which is mainly about announcements, and then the group where we can talk about individual episodes uh, in, in more detail, or you can also tell me, hey, is this episode supposed to have music? And I'm like, it should. And it turns out I uploaded the wrong file. Uh, so people who uploaded volume one got a musicless episode. Uh, congrats to that. Uh, I'm not perfect. Uh, but you can also discuss all the weird things we find on the internet that's horror related. And we promise uh, not to have as many horrible people as you might find in other uh, Facebook horror groups. <laughs> Not naming anyone in particular, but you know who. Oh shit! We're calling, we're calling them out. It's West Side Story for 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 horror for horror horror movie groups. Listen, we've all been there. We've we've met an opinion that we just can't possibly fathom anymore, and you just got to jump ship. Well, why not do that? But in our Facebook group, and give us problems that we don't need. Uh, so that does it uh, for Galaxy of Terror for myself and for Gina. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.